Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, your client loaned $100,000 to a former business partner to use to flip properties, but the former partner used the money to pay off his own personal debts. Yeah, Dennis, the challenge here was that the defendant claimed to not have any money. Even his own lawyer claimed the defendant wasn't paying him. So how did you resolve it? Well, we put his money where his mouth was, asking, why don't you just agree to stipulate to a judgment that would save our client and his tens of thousands of dollars pursuing this matter in court. Now my client has a judgment as though he had gone to trial and won. Well, that's another real success. Folks, I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. And this is the Brock Lurie Podcast with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today, Ari. So um, we have a lot, of, uh, a lot to talk about. Now, we've been talking a lot about ISIS, the Paris attacks. And, and a lot of what we can say, Ari, I think it would be fair to say, is that this is what happens when you expect government to take care of everything for you. Whether that's your uh, health care, for example, whether that's your transportation services, your education system and such, uh, things get sloppy. Things fall through the cracks. In fact, most things fall through the cracks. And it's one of the reasons why we are very hesitant when the uh, president says he wants to bring in 10,000, maybe, who knows, 65,000, according to the Democratic candidates, uh, immigrants, whether you call them refugees or migrants. And apparently there's a big distinction. So... We'll talk about that in a moment. But we know that you can't possibly assume that among these 10,000 uh, immigrants or migrants uh, or refugees that there won't be some bad guys. You mean like Joe Karsernayev? Right. Exactly right. Okay. That's a good example. Or the, the, one of the, uh, the killers in the Paris attacks. So... For some reason, the liberal community doesn't seem to understand this. I just had a long, lengthy discussion with a couple of liberal friends of mine, and they seemed unaware totally that one of the eight killers came from that, that migration push. One of those well-fed, strapping young men right. who was walking exactly. with the widows and children. Right. <clears throat> so that's just one example, right? But, there, but do you seriously think that's not going to happen? I mean, that was like right away. It was, it's within a month or two of the migration crisis happening, right? Yeah. And we talked about it on one of the past podcasts. Yeah. In fact, we've discussed it several times. What are these well-fed, you know, athletic young men coming with the streams of, <clears throat> of put-upon refugees? It's falling through the cracks. Yes. Okay. And that is indeed why we've titled this podcast as such, Falling Through the Cracks. It, it's, it's a very basic... Uh, concept of what happens when you expect government to do everything for you, things will fall through the cracks. And not just a little bit, but a lot. Think of it, if you will, uh, as trying to hold water in your two hands. Okay, You, you can cup them as, as tightly as you want, but you ain't going to keep that, that water uh, yeah, safe and sound and, and somehow you know, preserved. You, 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 what you, the best you can do is to hold the water and to scoop it up and scarf it right into your face. And that, that's the closest thing you'll be able to drink anything. But very quickly, that water will seep through, right? I mean, we all have this experience. It doesn't matter how tightly you make it. And that's what government is. Government purports to do things, uh, but it, things always fall apart, whether it's the city of Bell, for example, that just started stealing money from its own people and didn't even realize or didn't realize that it was wrong until they were finally caught. Uh, it, it, uh, same thing with the Social Security checks, where the checks are going to dead people. Um, same thing with affirmative action, where uh, people are claiming that they're black or purple or Mexican, and, and they're not so, right? I mean, they, uh, we can go through this all day long, and, and, and all the federal spending on certain things, and a tremendous amount of waste and tremendous amount of mistakes. Okay, the same thing with the, the government where we, we spent, what was it, $50 billion, and we reserved $50 billion to train some five fighters or advisors in, in uh, Syria, right? 
So that all went away. Or how about this? $500 million to Solyndra. Okay, I mean, we, we can literally spend, and, and these are just things that are coming top of mind for me right now. We could spend the whole hour just ta listing all the dramatic excesses to say nothing of the small little excesses uh, that happen every day. The $8 toilet uh, toilet paper, the $500 hammer. Yes. The, you know. Yeah, no, ev everything about it is bizarre. Um, so it, it falls through the cracks. Most, most of the time, it's money and time that falls through the cracks. Uh, if government has housing, well, then surprise, surprise, those houses are all, are all empty, and they can't seem to, to, uh, to fill them up, or they can't seem to sell it. Well, they have to get a, an act of Congress to go ahead and sell it. Um, if, if, uh, and, I, and I understood just recently that they couldn't sell these, um, these hot air blimps. Uh, they couldn't get rid of them. They had to, in fact, continue to maintain them because there was no act of Congress telling them to scrap it. This is the bizarre world of government, and it's the natural world of government. And, and to government's credit or defense, I should say, it's not just in America. It's true everywhere. You know, where, where government controls everything, you can expect it to be very inefficient, ineffective, and for that matter, uh, regressive, if anything. Okay. So we, we know that to be true about government. In fact, as we've said before and as we've challenged before, there is no area of government, none, where you can say, Mwah, magnifique, as the French would like to say. There's, there's no area that's perfect. There's, there's just, it's just varying degrees of incompetence. Now, one of the areas, and I say this not just because I'm a lawyer, one of the areas where the, the efficiency is somewhat better, somewhat, is the court system. Okay? But even there, the court system has its issues. Right? They, they take off every holiday possible. The, the pension and the incentives uh, of all the judges are a little bit skewed. Um, they leave at 3.59 every day on the dot. Right, exactly right. And um, they, they end up having to push a lot of hearings. There's a lot of justice delayed, justice denied going on. And it's not the, the fault of the judges. You know, a lot of these judges are really quite good. They want to serve. They, they, you know, just like a lot of our fighting men and women, uh, they want to serve. They, they want to do good things, right? But it doesn't mean that the entire enterprise is efficient. I mean, a good example of that is the um, uh, Chris, whatever his name is, from American Sniper, the, the movie, the famous guy, right? He, he was a remarkable hero. He was uh, a remarkable sniper, the, the most efficient and effective sniper that America has ever known. But that doesn't mean that the military is efficient, right? It just means one man was very efficient. And, and so it is in the government system, and so the judicial system, we have many good judges. There are some not so great judges. But the, the, you know, it's, it's just inefficient, okay, plain and simple. Things fall through the cracks. Uh, it, there have been many times where we have to you know, give you know, copies that we have so that the court clerk can find it. Okay, they're, they're pretty organized, but nevertheless, we have to sometimes come with our own things because it takes so long to get up to the court system. Now, another area of inefficiency is health care, right? Obamacare in particular. Now, I, I want to say, before I say the phrase hoisted on their own petard, or better yet, the chickens have come home to roost, or better yet, we told you so, <laughs> okay? Before I say all those three things, all right, um, I would like to talk about how, you know, as, as much as I, I, you know, anybody would enjoy saying those things, I would say, you know what? I'm not so impressed. I mean, you know, Ari, you and I, we made some bold predictions. It wasn't even bold. They were That's, obvious. They were obvious it predictions. It was two plus two equals, uh, yes. uh, um, how, how about four? That's right. <laughs> it's, it, was, it was an obvious thing. It's, it's, for me to say that water is wet is unimpressive. Okay? Grass is sometimes green if you water it. <laughs> right. Paint will dry in That's the right. sun. Or if you leave a country that you've been fighting uh, for a long time, uh, bad guys will come in. Okay, these, these are things that are inevitable. You, you, you roll a ball over a cliff, it will go down, it won't go up, right? We, we've talked, we've made all these analogies, and, you know, we're, you know, there are some, some predictions we make, like, for example, the Notre Dame and other famous churches like that will become mosques in due course. At this point, it's about 12 years. Um, and that's, that's somewhat more of a bold prediction. But it's not that... Hard to predict because of all the, the things that we're seeing kind of galvanizing together. But this one, that Obamacare will ultimately lead to higher premiums and higher costs and will be inefficient. And dead people. Yeah. And, uh, who that, shouldn't have been dead. Yeah. That was, that was not a bold prediction. 
not, not by a long shot. It was too easy. I mean, this is the same government that brought us the, the, the website for Obamacare, which was right off the, the bat, it was a disaster. I mean, it was an embarrassment, not just a disaster, an embarrassing disaster. How about that? Um, which was the second alternative that we had for this podcast, an embarrassing disaster. <laughs> but uh, the, look, look at the VA, for example. The VA, uh, it, it's a medical operation, right? It's, it's designed to assist uh, the, our good veterans uh, in their medical needs uh, and psychological needs, right? Okay. But look at the disaster that that is. And that is entirely government-run, right? And you, you expect that Obamacare is going to be this much better system? How so? And why so? Why, why should Obamacare be better than veterans, the Veterans Affairs? You mean uh, the other government-run health care? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're stupid and but it, think it's going to be different this time. Well, but if you're for Obamacare, if you're a big fan of Obamacare and say this, is, this should really work well uh, and it's going to work well, wh- why wouldn't you as a fan of Obamacare say, you know what, let's, let's, sh- let's make sure that we get the Veterans Administration all in order first, right? Wouldn't that be nice to do that, to say, hey, you know, we already have an existing structure called the v- Veterans Administration. So... It's really not in good shape right now. Let's fix that up and use that as a trial run, and maybe we can learn from the lessons of how we made that efficient and employ that into the future thing that we call Obamacare. The same okay. way uh, you would do the same thing with the health care system of uh, on Indian reservations, yeah. also federally run and a disaster. Disaster. All Even disaster. smaller than the VA. Yeah. Let's fix that one first. Yeah. Oh, now, oh, okay, now I see how this works. This is good. This is now Rodeo Drive, not uh, Skid Row. Yeah. Let's roll it out to the general public. That's right. You know, there's, there's an interesting concept in Hollywood. Um, they say that you're only as good. It's a vicious industry, right, Hollywood. You're only as good as your last film whether you're an actor or you're a director, especially if you're a director. And so if you've, I mean, it seems unfair. You should be allowed to have one or two bombs. No. But if if you've had like five really great successes and then one or two bombs, well, you know, maybe he'll kind of rally to his old glory. Um, But by and large, you know, that's not even a fair assessment because everything government has done has been a bomb. To, to you know, it's every one of them has been heaven's gate, and also to, to name a famous bomb. Yeah, and and in the or Ishtar and in the entertainment business, they have this thing called unbridled vicious competition. Right. Meaning the reason you're not allowed to bomb is because there are so many people coming up behind you who want your job. They will get it. Right. Right. And you're offering services. And the, the, what is the service of Hollywood? It offers ticket sales. So, you know, people want to spend their 16 bucks, whatever it might be, you know, anywhere in this country, it's anywhere nowadays between 10 and 16 bucks for a movie ticket. So those are, you know, that's, that's a sizable amount of money. And uh, they can't see every single movie that's out there. And there's only so many Saturday nights out there. And, and uh, they, they only have so much time and seasons, you know, movies come and go. So they got to pick and choose among a myriad of movies. So your movie better be good. It better compete with the other good movies out there. And then there's time slots. Yes, there's the, the holiday season ones where, where you hope to put up what you perceive to be the best movies, right? Like the new Star Wars movie that's coming out in December. But, but you, you, there are other movies there. You've got to shuck and jive a little bit and make sure that you get the best one out there. But with government, there's none of that incentive, first of all, in the first place, right? There's no competing for yeah, any no one's other trying to make a good movie in the government That's uh, right. operation. Yeah. And they'll tell you, this is a good movie. You will enjoy this movie, right? And, and here's how much you're going to be paying for the movie. It's you very expensive. La- you will laugh and you will cry. <laughs> That's right. Probably more crying. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we'll, t- we'll teach you what the lesson is and the, mor- the morale of this movie is at the end of the movie. Um, so, but, but in government, everything has failed. There's not a single thing you can point to that say, well, this is really, really great. Government is, it has one job. And I think that Ted Cruz is the one presidential candidate that truly has harnessed this concept. While others may have paid some lip service to it, Ted Cruz really believes it, and he acts on it. And that is that the government is there to protect you. Thank you very much. Otherwise, please get out of the way, okay? Or please don't exist. Yeah. Think of it. You know what? Think of the government like a bodyguard, okay? Bodyguard's there to protect you. 
He's not there to teach your children, right? Or He's date not, you, or yeah. share a meal with, or, not or to, talk to you. Yeah, not, not to ask your feelings, not to, not to have you ride on his shoulders, <laughs> to walk you around and, and to please you. To, to, no, it, he is there to ensure your safety. That's it. Everything else is up to you, okay? That you pay him to provide you for bodyguard services. Thank you. And Ted Cruz knows this. Anyway, the point is that here we are with Obamacare, and we had been saying this all along. Everything about this is going to fail. It cannot possibly sustain its own purported or, or uh, hopeful momentum. It assumed all millions and millions of people would be signing up that never actually came to fruition. I think every time they had one person sign up, they ended up having a little party in, in, in Washington, D.C., right? <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, another one, sir. Um, but it was just another sucker at the end of the day. And, and then, of course, the, the premiums started rising. And then the costs started rising. And the cancellations to non-Obamacare plans right. started happening. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my favorite part uh, in a sense of like how obvious that was going to happen. And it was really funny when it happened to Democrats who voted for Obama and supported Obamacare. Right, all because it was this, uh, this, this plan that was anti-competitive in many ways. It was what they call, um, what's the word, when you, when you lower your prices so much, it's uh, price dumping, okay? It's called dumping, actually, where you, you offer a service or a product for an amount that's so low, and it's designed solely for the purpose of blowing out your competition. And once the competition goes bankrupt, then you raise your, your prices. Well, that's exactly what's happened. That's exactly what we predicted. And now we have uh, evidence of that, not only from, uh, from us, but also from the, the players of Obamacare themselves. So take a look at this. This is from uh, townhall.com, uh, and the title is Obamacare Architect. All right, fine. Our law isn't controlling costs. Okay, that's the title. <laughs> and it says, uh, it talks about Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, who is the brother of Rahm Emanuel, a former chief of staff of uh, Obama. And current mayor of Chicago. Right. Uh, so Ezekiel Emanuel played an instrumental role in the crafting and promoting of Obamacare, uh, who occasionally lets the truth slip out. Okay. Uh, so here's what he said. The so-called Affordable Care Act that he helped design and that Democrats marketed to the public as a cost reduction measure is now failing by its own standards. Uh, we need to focus on cost control, he said, uh, and that means that the law isn't controlling costs. The doctor is correct. Um, and this is what he, he writes. Even though I am a liberal, I think we really have to focus on cost control. Affordability is absolutely critical across the board because if we don't have affordable plans, we are not going to get universal coverage. They are intimately linked, said Emmanuel. He did acknowledge Quote, we've overplayed the high deductible plans. People are feeling this is less and less insurance and just more and more I'm paying out of my own pocket. Unquote. All right, so this, this is the inevitability, right? This is what has happened. This is what we expected. And here we are. Obamacare, welcome to the, to the sea of failed government programs. Okay? You will join the ranks of the historical graveyard of social programs, okay? Every single one of them, same thing. They all made so many assumptions that just never panned out to, to, to be true. They had a lot of hope in the process. So that, that, that was true with Social Security, for example, where they, they just assumed the demographics would always stay the same. And back then it was, what, 16 to 1? 16 young people supporting one elderly person, right? Yeah. And now it's uh, 2.5 to 1? Yeah, and part of their thinking must have been classic liberal disaster planning. Well, if life is as bad as it is now and people are dying on average at age 65, in 10 years they must start dying at age 45. <laughs> I see. It, yeah, that's, you that's know, the actuaries life. will never have to transfer the wealth to the recipient. Yeah, maybe that's what their hope was. I, I don't know, but they certainly didn't expect two major things to happen. One is that the population would actually start uh, declining and so, therefore, the demographics would, would change. They also did, didn't take into account the more radical socialist structure that we would have, which meant that there would be less money into the system as well. 
And then finally, what you just said, they didn't expect that uh, the average age would increase, life expectancy would increase as a result of so many different other factors. And not just a little, but skyrocket into where people now on average die in their 80s, 90s, or around 100. So all those factors combined mean, mean that the Social Security simply cannot fund itself. And they have to simply rob from other, from other tills in order to substantiate the, the Social Security. Or so, change the retirement age to 97. All right. So, but you get the point. Yes, you know? I get the point. And, and then, of course, uh, in addition to Obamacare, uh, generally speaking, we had the um, there was one major insurance carrier, uh, uh, United Healthcare. There you go, United Healthcare, the biggest U.S. U.S. health insurer, said recently that it has suffered major losses, um, and uh, on the policies sold on the Affordable Care Act exchanges, and will consider withdrawing from them, adding to worries about the future of the marketplaces at the heart of the Obama administration's signature health law. Can I this is up? this is. Yeah. This is from the Wall Street Journal, um, and uh, it's just a, a very straightforward article about this. The disclosure by United Healthcare, uh, United Health Group Inc., which had just last month sounded optimistic notes about the segment's prospects, is the latest sign that many insurers are finding the new business unprofitable, despite an apparent influx of customers that has helped swell revenues. The industry's woes and broad rate increases aimed at staunching the red ink are putting pressure on the Obama administration to tweak aspects of the law. The issues also risk pulling the Affordable Care Act back into the political spotlight. Okay. So you filed that under no surprise, right? I mean, it's, it, it just it couldn't work. It didn't work. And now everyone's wondering what they're going to do. Can I put my liberal hat on for a second? Yeah, please. Can you believe how greedy they are, not willing just to eat those losses? Oh, I see, yeah. I just passed those on to their stockholders. Yes. How dare the, they? Yeah, and to the greedy owners, for that matter. Uh, yeah, well, can't the CEO take a pay cut? Can't they just lay people off? Yeah, this, this is the, the inevitable falling through the cracks that, uh, that is everything. Um, look, you know, the, and the more the government gets involved, I guess this is the big picture I want to present. The more government gets involved in uh, every aspect of our lives, the more, the, the more we fail to see the big picture. Think of it, if you want, um, as being in the middle of a forest and you, you're never able to kind of lift yourself up. You never have a sense of uh, what it looks 20 feet up from you, 200 feet up, uh, 2,000 feet up, for that matter, two miles up. You just can never get a sense of where you stand because you're constantly being bogged down in not only the, the minutia uh, of, of the myriad of rules, but there's just so many different government agencies controlling or at least getting involved in every aspect of your life. So you have no time to think about, um, you know, God for that matter. You have no, not that they've ever talked to you about God anymore because they're trying to quickly uh, trounce that out of the, out of the, um, the, the schoolroom and out of the courtroom and, and the, every institution possible uh, while they're not otherwise mocking it. This, this is what they do. So you have no time to, to think about God, no time to think about you know, long-range planning, uh, wealth creation, even, even to take a trip, to, to, to just travel, to have an understanding of, of what it's like. You, you have no time to talk to your kids about the meaning of life, right? All you talk to them about is how the rich should give the poor their fair share or whatever that means. And, and they, they don't have time to talk to their kids about the basics. I mean, time, time is everything at the end of the day. But government robs you of time, right? It's not just your money. It's also your time. Um, and that's just so true. And uh, something that totally escapes our political, uh, say, opponents, those who don't think the way we do, is the idea of that nothing happens in the world that requires work without at least two people or more getting together and agreeing to an essentially a deal or a contract. No one makes anything, no one buys anything, nothing gets made, nothing happens, nothing moves, unless, and there's a word for that, it's called business. Yeah. Unless some form of business takes place, nothing happens. And they, they can say, hey, I want universal health care, I want universal coverage for everyone, all they want. That's right. But saying it is just words. To implement it, to get it, to, for it to become a reality, you need insurers like United Healthcare to do certain things 
through their agreements and get paid for it. You need doctors to do work and treat people. Doctors aren't slaves. They're not just going to do their work for free. They're not going to just practice medicine and and go to medical school and do all those things and not get paid at the end of the day for their incredible efforts to become competent at what they do. And, And they think that Oh, all these things will just happen automatically. Yeah. Just because someone in the government, either an elected official or a bureaucrat, says so. Yeah. And you and I, this is the amazing thing about it. You and I and several other conservatives, we, we are like, we are like uh, um, Lucy and the football, you know, with Charlie Brown. And, and she yanks the football at the last second, right? Always. And Charlie Brown always gets sucker punched into to go ahead and to try to kick the ball, right? You must have seen the recent Peanuts movie. Yeah. And, and, and so yeah, they have a segment about that, too. And, and, and why are we, in a sense, like Charlie Brown? There? Because, because we always believe that somehow, ah, finally, the liberals will see it this time, right? That they will, that they will understand that what they thought was going to be so wonderful, in fact, missed so many important factors that it didn't understand the consequences of their policies, that they weren't thinking about the inevitable uh, interruptions into their system. Obamacare is such a good example. Um, and that there are many moving parts, and, and, and it defies human nature, all the things that we, you and I love to talk about. And, and what they do only for the, first of all, they always forget history. They, they, just, they, they think that it's a government program, and they forget that every single program has always failed. And this is, this is one of the things we, that, that's a theme, I think, of this podcast, is that government always will fail. There is no such thing as a successful government program. Those words, you can't combine them. So we're, we're with, with us on that. But even when it happens in the moment, for example, what's happening with Obamacare, if I were to present this to my liberal friends, and we both have many of them, and say, look what's happening. And compare it to, hey, uh, you know what I told you a year ago and you mocked me? Well, look now. Right, right. Don't you see what I see the connection? Right. They would then say. They'll say, well, the Republicans are getting in the way, and it's because of them refusing to make the, the necessary tweaks to Obamacare because they just want to see it fail, and they're the ones causing the failure. Okay, that, that's how they always spend Absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah, it's, yes. it's a, and, and this is what we've got to learn how to fight. Because, you know, unlike Charlie Brown, where Char- Charlie Brown is actually suckered into running up and hurting himself, we're not necessarily running up and, and doing anything. Well, I don't kick things like an idiot and lose <laughs> my balance and fall on the back of my head if I miss something. Right. But, but, but what we are guilty of is that we somehow expect that the liberal mindset will understand this. And well, not me. We'll, we'll agree. <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry. That, that they'll agree with us about this. Yes, you know, you're right. We were short-sighted about this. I guess you're right. It didn't work out. And now I'm going to be a little bit more uh, circumspect or, uh, uh, you know, jaundiced when it comes to government programs. I'm going to be cynical is maybe a better word. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's all we ask, to be a little bit more cynical about it, to, to, to question the, the validity of how this will actually play out. That's all we ask. But they don't do that. And uh, at the end of the day, we just have to understand that our liberal friends, they're blinded. They, they will never think differently, especially those who are older, you know, in, in, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and so on. These are tried and true liberals, and they will consistently feel, you know, talk this way. So we have to respond to it. We have to you know, focus our attention on the attack of liberalism itself as opposed yes. to just this or that program. Right, and, and the, the reason that they'll never admit the error of their ways and change their mindset is because they don't want to. Yeah. They want to believe the, the way they believe. It makes them feel good. They, we also, and this is why part of conservatism is horribly naive, is we assume in many cases that they have the best of intentions, and many times they don't. Right. They'll never admit that they don't have the best of intentions, but their actions betray them. Right. They don't know where their, their end goal is, right? And that's the best you can say. But many times they do have an end goal where they, they'd like to see a destruction of a certain institution, whether that's... Um, the Catholic Church. Yeah, the Boy Scouts. Um, uh, religion itself, the, the police, family, your local police department. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that came pretty quickly with that. The military, right? Oh my gosh! Just, I mean, oh, high five, yes, sir. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I thought we'd have to think about yeah, that. That's right. Took, literally, folks, that took about five seconds. I, I don't think we even thought for a moment. It just came. Woo. Oh, straight to the us. male race, oh, white right. people. That's right. The, the, the education system. Everything needs Jews. to be blown up. Well, I don't know about Jews. All right, all right, but, but. 
but the, the notion of uh, borders, for example, everything needs to be destroyed. Everything. Okay, so I guess that's the reason why it was so easy because we, we think about any aspect of life and we see how, not all liberals, but liberalism itself uh, as, a, as a concept, a progressivism, I should say, wants to destroy a lot of those institutions. They don't, they don't bring them up. They tolerate them at best. Okay, that's, that's a, there's a difference. Um, Dennis Prager brought up a good point. Like, where is the the liberal equivalent of the Boy Scouts? Right? Where? Just just tell us, because I'd like to know. Because they're they're good at trying to bring it down, but they they don't say what else is in its place, right? And, and who knows what that would be? The, anyway, that's another story. Uh, <clears throat> we we think about these things so so clearly, but they don't, and they don't want to see it. At the end of the day. <clears throat> liberalism, uh, liberalism offers, and no cynicism. But when I say that, I don't. Cynicism sounds like a, a negative word, right? But you have to be cynical. You have to be. Do you mean skepticism? Skeptical, yes, because skeptical requires energy. It requires thought. It requires, very often, a lot of hard work. And liberalism is exactly the opposite of that. Because the government told you so, that's what you will believe. And that applies to global warming. That applies to uh, the way people view abortion. It applies to the whole education system. It applies to uh, economics. It applies to immigration. All these things require very hard thought and not the assumption that the government will be the answer. And that's why why we we are so... uh, we're so measured against liberalism. This is why we fight liberalism. This is why we, we, we show its, its flaws and why we show its dangers, because ultimately it can only be a dangerous thing. Never, never before has liberalism worked, and it never will. All right, this is Brock Lurie. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Why can't they say what they want? Why can't they just say? Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case involving a $220,000 promissory note and you won a trial, but later discovered that the defendant had transferred all his assets. Dennis, when judgment debtors don't want to pay, they may shift assets over to their relatives, asking them to hold them till the coast is clear. How did you get the payment? The defendant had transferred title to two commercial buildings. We convinced them to admit it was an illegal transfer. That led to a great settlement with guarantees from relatives with penalties. And don't you know, they're making payments every month on time like clockwork. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM 870, The Answer. This is Brooke Lurie, back from our break. And, uh, you know, just recently we saw um, on Saturday Night Live a very interesting, uh, you know, it was a good skit, actually. I liked it. It was very funny. And the the skit was a pretend game show where one of the uh, Saturday Night Live uh, characters does a thing uh, called Should You Chime In? That's the name of the, the game show, Should You Chime In? And... And he tells you ahead of time, the answer is to all these questions, and this is just a hint, the answer is no (laughs) every single time. So with that said, I'm going to give you a topic, and I'm going to ask you, should you chime in? And the answer should be no, okay? And so he gives examples, uh, like your your sister is thinking about uh, proceeding with an abortion, and... um, and, and should you chime in? And the answer is no, like that, right? And so the whole concept is, you know, stay out of it if you don't know what you're talking about, okay? Which is very funny. And you, you get these hicks, you know, purporting to have, you know, express an opinion that they want to chime in about this. 
but they clearly don't know what they're talking about. And then it dawns on me. That's just about everything that we, we hear on the issues of the day. There are very few people who should really be chiming in. Okay. Let's take just a couple of examples. Israel. Okay. You and I know about Israel like the back of our hands. Right? We've been to Israel. We've focused on, you know, I, I know it inside and out, uh, not as deeply as an Israeli himself who's lived there, but I know it well enough to, to be able to say the history of Israel. But yet, those who are against Israel will chime in and say, this is what Israel should do. This is uh, how Israel should surrender. This is how Israel should fight if it's going to fight at all. In fact, it shouldn't fight. Um, and uh, Israel's an apartheid state because I've been told so. And that they have no idea what they're talking about. Don't chime in, okay? Don't, don't say, don't get into a big protest when you have no idea what you're talking about. You see, the difference between that game show where the woman wants to chime in with her opinion, that's all cute and all, but here people are chiming in and they're actually having devastating consequences. They're, they're advocating boycotting. They're advocating death. They're advocating things that will hurt many people in the, in the long run. And the same thing is true for uh, the economy. I, I can't stand this anymore. When people tell me about minimum wage, higher taxes, doing all these things. Oh, Michael Moore chiming in. Yeah, Michael Moore. Yeah, yeah. They, that's right. He chimes in. That's right. That's a good example of somebody who chimes in all the time. But but how he knows and and all these liberals, they know so much about the economy. They haven't taken econ 101. Literally, they have not taken econ 101. I don't think they've even, even taken home economics, let alone regular economics. So they right? don't know how to balance checkbook or boil no. water. No, but or they iron a shirt. But they know they know how to have many opinions about just that subject. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. They're very, they chime in, like and I and and. and uh, almost 80% of the time I say, you know, do you know how the law of supply and demand works? I mean, that's the first thing I'm doing. First of all, I have to teach them how supply and demand works. It's that simple. And I, and I, I tell them, when I, when I try to tell them about why high taxes is not a good thing, or for that matter, matter, uh, matter uh, high minimum wage is not a good thing, I will tell them, imagine you're an employer. You know, the minimum wage is what you pay for your employees, right? Okay. If it's if it suddenly goes up from, let's say, $9 an hour to $29 an hour, the price of that employee has now gotten higher, right? Do you buy things? If you go to a store and you want to buy, let's say, uh, um, I don't know, um, a movie ticket. Okay, you go to a movie ticket to a movie theater. And uh, they say to you, okay, it's not $15 anymore. It's uh, $55. Are you going to see that movie? I mean, if you're very rich, perhaps it won't make a difference. But by and large, you, you may not see that movie. You may wait for it to come out on cable or whatever. But that, right? I mean, you, you would assume that. That's, that's an obvious thing. It better be a damn good movie. <laughs> right. But it applies to anything. It applies to a Pez dispenser. It applies to a chair. I'm looking at these different things. Uh, an old, you know, old iPad or iPhone or whatever it is. You know, if, if you suddenly made an, an iPhone, which is, you know, depending on your plan, it could be anywhere between $300 and $500 for this or that size capacity. And then suddenly you make it $3,000 or $5,000. I'm, I'm going to tell you that, that there are going to be a lot fewer iPads sold. Okay? That's, that's basic, right? But when it somehow all of that is out the window when it comes to the minimum wage. And people, you can see them, they, they, they just know that I must be wrong. And I said, I'm not wrong. It's just that you're the one. You're not the one who's paying the employee. It's some phantom employer that you haven't seen, who's supposed to now pay this phantom to to, to pay this employee He's who a, you love. Yeah, you're in, in their fantasy. It's always a rich oil company or something. Yeah, like that. that's right. J.R. Ewing, unlimited cash and I, and for I, everything. And I say to them, like, you wanted to jump up to fifteen dollars an hour. So, are you saying that this is good for one size fits all? Do, do you understand that it may not? It might be the, the very thing that will break this company. That, that you don't know, you don't have the accounting books of every company out there or every little mom-and-pop store, and you want to just impose that on them? Who are you to decide what will work for that, that company? Well, we need to give them a living wage, Mr. Lurie. Yeah, you know, how, how, okay, well, why, why stop there? Why, why not say, why, why does it have to be only the minimum wage, by the way? I mean, th this, is, this is the analytical side that you and I think about. Why, why not say... You know, the prices of apples should only be so much, right? 
because food is necessary for your life, right? Yeah, rather than just wage controls, how about some price controls too? Yeah, cost controls. Yeah. So I, I think everyone should have a car, and, and no, no car should be sold above uh, X thousand dollars. And okay? everyone should have at least an acre of beachfront real estate. Prime. Right. right. Every person. Right. Well, let's not get ridiculous yet. I mean, but what, I mean, I want that. No, I, no, I understand that. But, but you know, uh, the pay, price of paper should only be so much. The, the price of pens should only be so much. You can only charge so much for an iPhone, for that matter, or for any smartphone. Uh, every computer should only be so much because, you know, the, the costs are, are just as much of an impact as what you earn, right? Yeah, if you don't have I mean, to spend a lot, why do you need to earn a lot? Yeah, let, let, let's face it. If I mean, this is an obvious thing I'm about to say, but let's say you had you had wage controls, meaning that it has to pay the employer has to pay at least fifteen dollars an hour, but there are no controls on on the services um, and and products that you buy, and those go skyrocketing through the roof. Well, would you agree that that's no longer a living wage? If if an iPhone is now the equivalent of five thousand dollars instead of five hundred dollars. You would say, well, that fifteen dollars is not such a great deal anymore, right? So, so shouldn't we, in order to make it really livable, to use their phrase, shouldn't we be controlling all aspects of our lives, right? It's not just the the, the minimum wage. They they think that's the only source of all things, right? And and so they would have to impose a system resembling the following: everyone gets paid fifteen dollars an hour, maximum and minimum. Right. Right? Yeah. And no object can cost more than a penny, no matter what it is. iPhone, Apple, pencil, even a penny can't cost more than a penny. <laughs> well, right? It's that kind of – and, of course, if you present this idea to someone, they, provided they were being intellectually honest with you, they would say, well, that wouldn't work. That's ridiculous. Right. And we would put we, – our response would be, exactly. It is ridiculous. Yeah. But you're arguing for it. Yeah, but why, why are you sticking the employer with it? Yeah. I'll tell you why you're sticking the employer with it, because you're not the one paying for it. If everyone uh, suddenly, you know, had to, if you're suddenly responsible for, for paying a lot more for everything, for all those employees, well, then that's one thing. But if you're, you're, you're causing the employer to stick, stick uh, with it or sticking him with it, well, that's the reason why you're for it. That's why. Ah. The, 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 you know, here we are. Why are we expecting um, uh, people on the liberal side to actually think things through? I, I never quite understood that. Because, so anyway, we're talking about chiming in, right? So here's an example. The economy. I can tell you one thing about medicine, for example, that I know virtually nothing about it. Okay? I, I know that eating healthy is a good thing. Okay? Exercising is, is a good thing. That's about all I know when it comes to health. Okay, drink a decent amount of water, get some good rest, the basics. Thank you. Get not, your... not needing to see a doctor or any other medical practitioner is a good thing. Right. Get your inoculations, uh, vaccines, as the case may be, from time to time, and and uh, and I don't know how they work, but that's what I know. Okay. I don't pretend to tell a surgeon how to do his surgery. I don't pretend to know what drugs work and what do- drugs don't work. Um, I, I do think that exercise is good. It may, it may replace a lot of uh, uh, drugs, but who am I? I, I couldn't di- diagnose somebody who's bipolar uh, or has a, other sort of uh, conditions or diseases. Uh, it, it, there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't know, and I don't pretend to know. Other than diagnosing liberalism, which obviously <laughs> that's is true. A, you, is, sir, it's are a, a liberal. I don't want to say it's a disease, but it's definitely a disorder. That's right. That's a disorder. <laughs> right. Oh. We can diagnose that one. <laughs> it's a disorder where they, <laughs> where they think that uh, everyone else is crazy. That's, that's, that's the thing. The arrogance. The arrogance of liberalism is, is uncanny, and that's the chiming in part of it all, right? And it's like, I, and I've told them, look, I'm, I've majored in economics. I've done many dissertations on economics. I, I, it all boils down to supply and demand and leaving people be. And that the more you regulate a particular industry, the more kind of cockeyed the behavior is going to be. And, uh, and if, if you subsidize things, it's going to actually increase the cost, not help the, reduce the cost. These are basics in economics. They'll, they'll teach you all day long in Econ 101. It just is. That's the way it is. And, and you see it happening constantly. But they'll tell you phrases like, well, we need to the living wage. We, um, Working families. Higher taxes in order to you know, absorb the cost of this. We need to subsidize. All those phrases that you hear so often, they, they chime in. Share, share. They chime in, and they say it just ad nauseum, and they have no clue what they're saying. But it's truly the equivalent of telling a surgeon how he should operate. 
um, and, and how, what, what medicines are needed for the country and, and what the uh, issues of the day are and, and why people are obese and why people have more cancers. You don't know. Let's, don't let's, don't, chi- don't yeah. chime in. Well, you don't know. Okay, Saturday Night Live, the skit was, was right, but it didn't realize how right it was. And, and I say to them, because it was really a focus on, on how conservatives shouldn't be talking about certain things. It was, it was really kind of an unfair, unfair beat. Uh, and they always make uh, conservatives very cartoonish and, and hickish, as it were. But, but here we are. Um, you know, I just ask, physician, heal thyself. You take, take note of your own message, Mr. Liberal. Understand that you are chiming in constantly. You're telling us that we can take in, for example, 10,000 migrants or refugees, whatever you want to call them, into this country, no problem, and that everything will be fine. How do you know that? How do you know? Who are you to tell us what the, that, that all uh, Muslims are, are wonderful people and that the vast majority are, don't, don't want to hurt us? You don't know. I, I don't know either. I, I do know that there is a significant minority that do want to hurt us. But, and I do know the facts on the ground that all the, all the terrorism that we see, virtually all of it, is from Muslims. And I can say that not all Muslims are terrorists, but, I, but virtually all terrorists are Muslims. These are facts that I do know on the ground, and I care about that. Okay? And I do know, this is again an economics thing now, that the more you bring in these, these people that are from a completely different culture and from a culture that hates us, that that's probably not a good thing. Okay? As a bad idea genes. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you know, and, and here, here they make a, by the way, this is a parenthetical side story, but they make this analogy that you hear all the time, like, what about those poor Jews that were turned away? You know, and they, they appeal, because I'm Jewish, you're Jewish, they appeal to your sentimentality, like the Jews who were turned away from America, and we dare not make that mistake again. Okay, here's a difference, folks. The Jews who wanted to come to America were not only escaping Nazism, where they were surely going to die because of their faith, okay? But they also wanted to come to America to become part of America because they loved America. They loved the American way. They wanted to contribute to the American way. By contrast, uh, many of these people that are leaving, in fact, most of them, are not being persecuted because they're Muslim. And they're coming to America not because they love America. In fact, they, they disdain America. Okay, difference in both those respects. All right, you were going to say something. Yeah, uh, there's that moment of realization where the liberal loves to say to you, that would be ridiculous when you take their suggestions to the nth degree. Like the example I brought, $15 a wage for everyone, a penny per object, no matter what it is. I've always thought it would be a brilliant sort of thought experiment, or I would love to see it in reality, to see a conservative political leader or elected official, something like that, Republican, Propose, you know what? We, it, it, our friends on the left are right. We need a minimum wage. Let's have a twenty thousand dollar an hour minimum wage for everyone, right. and let's make it a law. And let's make any violation be a death penalty or capital offense, life in jail. Right. And I would love to see the liberals' reaction go. Well, that would be ridiculous. And then the the conservative will go exactly. Why? What's wrong with it? Yeah, that's the better question. It's like the, the response is, well, why is it ridiculous? Why? Why, why, why 15 an hour? That's please, not enough. Yeah, please, please explain to me why the $20,000 to use your number, why, that, why is that ridiculous? Uh, and then they'll have to say, well, because it's just a lot of money. Okay, so let me, let me help you, Mr. Liberal. Uh, the $20,000, you're, you're presuming, I think, probably correctly, that, that it's, you know, after only 10 hours of work on that one day, that's $200,000, and the, that employer probably doesn't even have the $200,000, especially in a small mom-and-pop shop like that. Well, yeah, okay. Would it be fair to say that that would be the, the same for $10,000 an hour? Yeah, for sure. Hey, yeah. How about 5000 an hour? And how about 1000 an hour? How about $100 an hour? How about $50 an hour? And they'd say, they'd agree, they'd have to agree all the way through. And, and then you say, so how did you determine that $15 is okay? Where, where, where's the math on that? How did you decide that that small mom and pop little liquor store, for example, that they can afford $15 an hour? How did you decide that? Run by migrant Koreans who came to America with just the shirts on their back. Wait, 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 yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? I, I agree, but, but how did you decide that? Yes. To tell, me, tell me what your, was your analysis? Because the government told you that would be okay? But, but, but why? 
I mean, and, and as the stores start closing, will you say, well, maybe that was a little too high? And, and you know, I, th this is the this is where they all the all the damage that liberalism causes when when they when they decide to chime in. How about that? Bad things happen when liberals chime in. <laughs> okay, when they chime in, for example, the only thing they haven't chimed in yet is rock and roll. <laughs> oh, they've wrecked that. Al Gore. Oh, that's Remember? true. Good point. Good point. All right. But, but there, there are some things where you can still, like you can make movies of just about anything, right? That's, that's great. Uh, I, frankly, I wish they would make more bold movies about, about uh, some of the dangers that face us today, but that's another story. But by and large, there are, there are many things. They, they don't get involved in uh, the smartphones, for example, all the more power to them about that. But, but they chime in on, on just about everything else. Uh, reproductive rights, as they call them, of course. They, they chime in about how we should fight our wars. How and, you date on campus. Oh, yeah. Oof, right? Good, good point. Yeah, sex is totally chimed in about these days. Yeah. Um, uh, education, of course, they have all the answers about that, and public education is necessary, and you, you can't have charter schools. Why not? Don't, don't you? I mean, but they, they don't have the slightest clue what they're talking about. But what, the, here's the beauty of being a conservative. There are some time-honored principles that we know work, right? We know that God works. Faith works. We know, if you don't want to talk about that, we also know that uh, capitalism works. We have plenty of, of history for that. We know that the laws of supply and demand and minimal regulation, that works. Okay, so, so even in areas where we're not too familiar with the industry itself, for example, I don't know very much about um, orthodontistry. Okay, I just threw that out of there. Or medicine. I'm not going to you. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> right. good point. Okay, medicine. I did. Right. Let's, let's say medicine, generally speaking. Yeah. I, I do know, and I can say this with ease, that the more we allow uh, the pr privatization of healthcare, the better it is for everyone. For the doctors, for the patients, for everyone. For both medical and dental. Right. <laughs> That's right. But other than that, it's terrible. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it reduces costs and it increases innovation, all those things. That I can easily prove to you just by giving some simple examples. And I don't, necess I don't have to know the specifics about the medical world. And it's not a roll of the dice or a crapshoot or whatever. It's... It always happens. Always. It's, it doesn't it's matter what. Yeah. There's, there's no area of life where, yeah, free market capitalism works fine in that area, but not in this area. Right. Right? Um, the only exception I would say, and it's not that it's free market capitalism, that somehow we need a socialist structure, on the contrary. Uh, you know, if you know me well enough, you know that I, I, I don't like the eating of animals, the husbandry of animals and such. Uh, except for fish, I, I think fish is fine. But the killing of cows and, and chickens, you know, when you have uh, free-based market capitalism based upon cows and, and chickens and pork being products, animals being products, it'll end up being that you'll treat the animals cruelly. And that's what I don't like about that. But I'm not saying that we should have a socialist structure over those animals. I'm simply saying we shouldn't be eating those animals altogether. But I would never make a law about that, okay? And the Never. analogy would be the same way with your children. You'd encourage them not to smoke, right? But, uh, you know, cigarettes. But you don't want a law banning cigarettes for other people. Exactly. Right. A good example. And uh, likewise, uh, you know, I, I, you could, you, I would never advocate the selling of, of children, right, for for slavery or otherwise. So, obviously, there's some restrictions. But as as, as a as a viable industry, whether that's medicine or sports or uh, the printing press or making of computers or this microphone that I'm in front of, you know, somebody made this microphone. Um, let, let, let the market decide and the great things will happen. That much I know. I don't have to know the specifics of the microphone industry. I have no idea how they make a microphone. I have no idea how they make the computer for that matter. I barely know how a pen works. <laughs> but, but I do know that it's good to compete in the pen industry. And the more smooth the pen writes, and, and the, the more reliable it is, and the, the you know, more often I can, I can use the same pen to continue writing for a long time, the more I'll like that pen. And the quicker the ink dries before smudging your cufflinks, your cuffs, <laughs> the better it probably is. Is this an experience you recently uh, had, Mr. Yeah. David? Yes. All right. All right. So uh, that, that much we know. But, but these liberals, they chime in about everything. 
they, they chime in, you name it. Immigration, they have all the answers. Well, Obama's oh, wait, wait, the wait, chimer wait. in chief. Remember? <laughs> That's true. Uh, too for, much snow. Well, it's too, well Ferguson, right? Uh, Trayvon. Trayvon. Uh, everything that deals with a, the, uh, the color of, of your skin, he's going to chime in. If there's, if there's black or, or even light, light black on, on you, you're, you're going to be discussed in a way that uh, that will be only about race relations and how far we need to go and and all the th- and how far we have not come and so on. Yeah, and I mentioned Snow because. But he knows everything. He, he, well, yeah. he knows everything about what really happened with the Trayvon Martin matter. He because after all, Trayvon might have been his own son. And uh, was his son. And that's right. Oh, I, I didn't realize the news has changed. There's a developing story. <laughs> Uh, but but then also uh, what happened in Ferguson, of course, he knew what what the real lowdown was there, and he he went to ch- you know to chime in there too. Good example, and, and then of course the Boston um, Cambridge police situation with that Professor Gates. Um, he he knew what happened. He, he knows everything. He he knows the way things really are. And but but people chime in not just about that. They chime in about how to deal with every other country. That. We, the immigration situation. This is how we should deal with. It. This is how we should deal with Israel. This is how uh, we should deal with the Arabs. Um, it's all about oil and such like that. They know everything. They 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 decide that the the wars um, uh, in Iraq were both about oil. Never mind that we didn't take any oil at all. But they were about oil somehow. It, it could not possibly be that it was it was actually for its intended purposes. Uh, failure, you know, successful or not, but to stabilize the country known as Iraq. And you get rid of a dictator who is threatening us with uh, nuclear weapons development yeah, programs. Yeah, exactly right. And and who'd gone, frankly, had violated just too many rules and uh, crossed the line too too often. So, but they know, and they they know better than you. Okay, and this is this is where great danger can happen when when somebody chooses to chime in about topics they know nothing about. Another good example is the energy uh, world, right? They know everything about how solar power and wind power will save the planet, right? They know, to say nothing about climate change, that they know that, of course, if we continue on our, our horrible path, we will all be drowning in 20 feet of water. Okay, and to my level, that's, that's taller than you and me combined, okay? So that, that they will emphasize the danger about that. This they know about, and you don't know nothing, even though they haven't read anything about it. That's because this is the world where they decide that the climate change, well, all the experts say so. And because they say so, that's all I need to know. Suddenly they're the expert because other experts have told them. They chime in. It's like the Holiday and Express commercial. How do you know? I stayed at Holiday Inn last night. Yeah, exactly night. right. <laughs> Enlightenment, boom. Yeah, like 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 the guy. I mean, he was a very cute commercial, and he and he starts talking. You know, he helps with the surgery all of a sudden, right. and and he's doing this. We'll need this. We'll need this this amount of this uh, chemical, this drug, or and this, and we'll need a sponge here. And very good doctor. Oh, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> well, what are you doing? Well, I just stayed at Holiday Inn Express last <laughs> <Right>. night. <laughs> but these guys are all guys who stayed at Holiday Inn Express yeah, last stay night. Stay at a flea bag cheap <laughs> hotel, and you know everything. Right. So uh, it's just it's just hysterical. So I, I I think that they've got issues, and you know we've got issues. Here, here's another thing that uh, I'd like to talk a little bit, segue a little bit, but it's also somewhat related because we talked about the Middle East and how the you know the, the liberals all know about the Middle East and they've decided everything for us. Um, so they love the, this notion that, you know, the Christianity, Christianity is just as evil as Islam. Or there's, there's a thing called radical Christianity. You didn't know it, but there's a radical Christianity because, you know, there are just as many terrorists committing acts of, of terror. Yeah, in, Tim McVeigh, Ruby Ridge. Right. Uh, they, they happen to be yeah. born Christian, but that, so that makes everything they do, you know, uh, a, you know, a terror, right? Because, uh, Christian terror. Right, like but the never, guy who killed Dr. George Tiller, the abortionist, you know, right. those kind of people. But, 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 these kind, but these people don't do their things in the name of Christianity. That's the difference, right? Uh, and, but, but using their own logic. So wait a minute. If you, you say that these terrors, this terrorism has nothing to do with Islam, right? But, but, but these terrorists are Muslim, right? And I would agree with you that just the fact that they're Muslim doesn't make them terrorists, of course. 
But you can't then say that there's Christian terrorism because Timothy McVeigh was baptized a Christian once upon a time, right? I mean, but you're using the same argument that, that therefore Timothy McVeigh is a Christian terrorist. You can't do that. You can't have it both ways, as we say in law. Okay. Anyway, they, they, they opine about, about all this, that the Jews are now the Nazis, right? You've heard about this, this, you know, inversion of, of history. Um, and Islam is a uh, peaceful religion and such like that. Or the, right. the parties have switched sides. The Democrats are the Republican, you know, uh, the, pro, the party of slavery from then is the party of slavery now. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the civil rights era, that, you know, that they were the ones who advanced civil rights and so on. Okay. But let me ask this simple question to anyone uh, listening who's liberal. Where in the Middle East would you say are there any minorities being treated well? What's, what's your ideal country? Where, where, are the, where gays are treated well, where women are treated well. Likewise, for that matter, where in Europe have Muslims integrated really well in any of the countries in Europe? Integrated, meaning yeah. assimilated. And, assimilated. And, and and just, you know, that they're living in harmony yeah. with the Europeans. Like say. salad dressing, just shook together and become smooth. It's all good. It's a, where is the melting pot? You, you tell me, okay? Tell me where in Europe they got it right. Okay, there was this just perfect blend of laws and understanding, and, and it's a kumbaya place. Tell me, because I, I, I don't know where this fictional land is. It's, it, it might be Hogwarts, <laughs> Hogwarts, uh, you know, Harry, Harry Potter. Yeah. But, but it, it, ain't, uh, it ain't happening anywhere else. Okay? This, this is your problem, uh, my, my liberal friends. For you to not understand that you've got a problem with this migration crisis coming, coming right at you, because you already had a problem before. If you think you had a problem before, wait till what happens in, in five years hence with people that you're not really vetting because you're trusting a government to vet them and you're assuming the government is vetting them and they don't give a crap. Okay? All they want is, is, is to you know, push the papers. What if you have one simple border control guy, for example, who's tired and he lets in five guys at a time because he either you know, got tired or just wants to go home, or he's angry at his supervisor, right? Do you think that's possible? Because I think that's not only possible, but it's probable. You know why? Because I discovered something about, about human nature. This is very complex, what I'm about to say. People aren't perfect. Yeah, what? That's right. Yeah, yeah. What? Huh? you heard it here first I, I'm sorry, on the Brock Lowry podcast. I, I, what? <laughs> that's right. Yep, yep. This research has shown. Uh, this no, no, no. Studies I, have shown. I have to sound like Dan <laughs> rather than night uh, Bush beat Gore. Uh, uh, no, no. My head's starting to hurt. What? Huh? <laughs> studies have shown that people are not perfect. That's that's what happens. And and for them to you know, it, it, but it you don't have expertise in that. <laughs> you can only vet so many people so perfectly, right? I mean, we, we know that people go through all the time. They manage to, putting aside uh, the fake passports and their ability to, to pass as though they are very innocent, uh, loving people and such, just putting that aside because that's, there's a lot of people who will, who will filter in that way, right? But even the people who don't filter in that way, they just, they, they let, just for example, they, they let the guy, uh, one of the guys, one of the terrorists in the Paris attacks, they let him go. They had him in custody and they let him go. Mistake. Sounds Oops. a lot like the guy that they had in custody in San Francisco who killed Kate Steinle. That's right. So it was an illegal alien. Okay, yeah. but look, but but hang on. You you've got this is going to happen time and time again. Okay, so and all you really need is a couple of these guys. A couple. That's it. And once once you have a couple, you're going to have more than. Of course, it's going to be more than two or three people. It's going to be not twenty people. Not even 200 people. It'll be thousands of people who are bad guys. When you're talking about 800,000 people, a million people, you're going to get thousands of bad guys. And a thousand you, Jokar Sarnayevs, a yeah. thousand Muhammad Atas. And they're not going to be three-year-old orphans, okay, as it turns out. And, and this is why I, I'm, you know, we're making these bold predictions, but it's not a bold prediction. Just like the prediction we made at the beginning of this show uh, that we talked about, that surprise, surprise, Obamacare is not reducing costs, it's not reducing premiums, and it's not providing the care that Obamacare promised. Surprise, okay? Now, we're gonna be seeing the same thing. It's, it's, there are gonna be more and more tax in Europe. Europe will be more and more vulnerable. Uh, they'll be kowtowing more and more to the uh, ever-increasing Muslim population that will demand yet more and more of their, 
of their, uh, of their culture uh, to be taken back from them. There'll be many more no-go zones. There'll be many more rapes. There'll be much more violence and general crime. Okay? But other than that, you have nothing to fear. <laughs> okay? But you do. You do. It's just, it's just not smart. You need to understand there's a reason why you have borders. But they don't understand that. They, it's all, in liberalism, it's all about the destruction of borders, one way or the other. Whether it's the borders of the family, whether it's the borders of uh, adult and child, teacher and uh, student, it doesn't matter. Because borders somehow uh, uh, bother them. They, it, it, the very notion of borders insults the liberal. The very notion. And, and that's where we are today. And yet, as I said before, the liberal mind always wants to chime in. They have all the answers. Well, if you, if you have the answers, if you want to chime in, please, at the very least, do a little bit of homework. That's all we ask. This is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.